0: Hello Northumberland County, this is Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's real estate talk show. I'm Dale Bryant and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage and at this time each week we bring you Reality Realty, your local real estate forum where we take on, we talk about and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and all the communities within it. The summer holidays are well behind us now, and schedules are back to normal, and I'm looking forward to our fall lineup of guests and topics on Reality Realty. And to kick things off here today, we've brought in our regular panel of real estate professionals to answer your questions. We have real estate sales representative Aaron Toms, who's with REMAX Lakeshore Realty, And she's a sales representative there. And we have mortgage broker, Carol Ann Bryant. And Carol Ann is with the Broker Financial Group. If you haven't already sent in your questions to either one of us through social media, you'll be able to do it over the next hour. Look us up on Facebook and uh, ask your real estate and real estate financing questions. Or you can call into the station and we'll give you that number shortly. So first things first, let's take a look at Snapshot, which is a look at today's residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. There's been 131 single-family residential sales over the past month. And that is by far a large increase over our last report. And it leaves us with an inventory of 334 residential listings for sale. The average selling price of successful sales over the past 12 months has increased once again, and it is approximately $333,000. That, folks, is the average sale price of real estate in Northumberland County over the past year. On average, these successful sales have been receiving about 98% of their asking price in a market time Of 52 days now that's the lowest amount of days we've ever reported here on reality realty in almost two years those that market time has just been going down 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 as our market has been becoming hotter and hotter you can also see the final snapshot statistics for each month on an easy to read chart and I post those charts on social media so check out my Facebook page or my Twitter page, or my Google Plus pages to see a month-end summary on the statistics for Northumberland County. I research these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. And List Central, that's the local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area-specific, specific specific to the property type you're dealing with and the price band it's in. So talk to your local realtor to understand the Northumberland market information most relevant to you. No one understands the Northumberland real estate market as well as a Northumberland realtor who's actually a member of the Northumberland Hills Board uh, Association of Realtors. Today's mortgage rates, they remain the same. We have a five-year fix as low as 2.29% and a five-year variable as low as 2.05%. Today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And that, folks, is a current snapshot of the residential real estate market right here in Northumberland County. This is just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed by myself, by co-hosts, guests of the show, or any of the articles that we happen to uh, present here do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors of any real estate brokerage or any other realtor, there's simply our views and opinions at this time. So, I would like to take this moment and welcome our guests today. Uh, welcome to Aaron Tom's. Uh, Aaron is a real estate sales representative with Remax Lakeshore Realty. Welcome, Aaron, to the show. Thanks for having me again, Dale. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, really appreciate your insight to. <laughs> real estate questions that we uh, we receive from our listeners. And I'd also like to welcome Carol Ann Bryant, my wife and mortgage broker with the Broker Financial Group. Welcome. Good morning, Dale. Yes, good morning to you. So today we have another call-in show. Uh, our call-in shows have been really interesting. I remember the first one we did. Uh, when, how long ago was that?
1: Few
0: months ago, I think. Yeah. I think it's it's got. I think it's over six months I, ago.
2: Well, we've done two. This is our third, isn't is it? Is this our third call I and think show? This
0: is our third. Yeah, it might be. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and 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 we've had really great responses, and already uh, last night I was already receiving some questions on social media, mm-hmm. and we received. Uh, I received a few more this morning, a number of them. And text messages, uh, some people sent in some questions via text, which it was very good too. And if you, so y- yeah, yesterday we posted it on social media and people have already asked and you can still use those uh, methods if you want to look either Carol Ann Bryant, Mortgage Broker up on Facebook or Aaron Toms, Real Estate, you'll find her Facebook page or myself, Dale Bryant, Facebook, you can still send in your questions via social media or you can call into the station. You can call in at 905 372 2391 and leave your question with Lane and Lane will pass it along to us right here in the studio. So, ladies, are you ready for our first question? ready. Ready. All right. Well, the first question here and <clears throat> I mean I've been collecting I've been collecting the questions from me uh Ann and Aaron you've been collecting your own questions we don't really know what our our questions are even the ones uh, necessarily that have come in ahead of time so I I haven't for example shared my questions with you so even though I've seen a few of them up front uh, not everybody has So the first question here is I'll read it out. We put an offer in on a home and we decided not to firm up the deal as a result of one of the conditions. The mutual release is fully signed. How long should it take for us to receive our deposit money back? Aaron, I
1: I think you should answer that one, Dale. Yeah? Um, Yeah, I I think so. Why why is that? because I had a situation like that fairly recently, so I'd rather take a back seat on You'd rather this. take... Well, yeah. okay. So, <laughs> then,
0: so then I'll answer this question uh, for, the, for the listener. So uh, you put in an offer. You said on a home. You decide not to firm up as a result of a condition. So you had a mutual release, and you're saying it's completely signed by both parties. So I'm assuming it's signed by, by you, the buyer, by the seller and by the broker of record or manager of each office and so now how long will it take to get your deposit money back? Well, it depends on a few things. And if you sent your deposit via a negotiable check or, or you might call it a personal check, each each brokerage will need time for that check to clear. So that could take up to ten days. So if if you only recently sent in that personal or negotiable check and it's been less than 10 days, one, you're, gonna, you're going to have to wait until the check clears so the brokerage knows that they actually received that money and it went through. And this is where it also can get... Now, if it was a bank draft or a certified check, naturally that money would go through immediately. So once that money goes through... Then it all depends a lot on brokerages' policies, internal policies. They should be able to cut you the check right away. They've received the money. All the documents are signed. You should be able to receive that money right away. Now, some brokerages might bring someone in once a week or twice a week to to cut checks for people. So maybe you have to wait for that particular time of the week and and i've heard uh, now i haven't dealt with this particularly but some out-of-town brokerages i understand c- they have an internal policy where they they can keep their checks for longer they can i've heard it's 20 some odd days and now that can be problematic too for you as a buyer because if if you've given your deposit On a home and it didn't go through, but you're really interested in moving on and getting to the next home. If your only deposit money is tied up in a brokerage who won't release that money Mm -hmm. back to you, then you are on hold. You're you you're potentially handcuffed. And if the perfect house comes along, if you don't have more deposit money, you have to sit that one out. Aaron, what? That's my answer what are you thinking
1: well i'm thinking that's exactly what my buyer went through so
0: which uh, is what the, the the
1: long wait time getting the deposit back mm-hmm. um you know holding her like handcuffing her to that you know cash flow not necessarily <coughs> being readily available to just cut another check because that check is cashed and held in trust so it's not like you know right. you're you're physically losing that money while it's tied into
0: so was okay. it a brokerage policy then? I, it, was that the case?
1: Um, from what I understand, yes. After the fact, it was their brokerage policy to, to do that. So. And,
0: and were you given any reason why that policy was in place?
1: No, not really. No. Just that this is the way it is. Sorry about yes. your luck.
0: So, oh, really? Yeah. So, so something very uh, key to keep in mind when you're giving your deposit.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Because a, a lot of people... I mean, Northumberland County, we have some pretty small deposits that take place here compared to the GTA, mm-hmm. and and sometimes they seem a bit ridiculously small, but then again, if you're to run into a situation like this, maybe that smaller deposit actually enables you to move on in case you run into one of these brokerages that don't release the money in in fair time, uh, or, or f- a fair time. in. In the time frame that we're used to seeing, yes,
2: yeah, I have a question. Yeah, in this market that we've had, are you finding that the deposits are higher than they have been? Because you said typically five hundred dollars is what you no. said. Typically five hundred to a thousand. Uh, are you seeing higher deposits on properties now this so year?
0: What would you say, Erin?
1: I'm not. I like. I really. I'm not seeing many higher ones. It's mine. Typically, around a thousand to you know sometimes two thousand, but uh, not much higher than that.
0: Yeah, I would I would have to say that I see about the same. I, I think a thousand dollars is the most common deposit I see from either my buyers or from other buyers uh, cu- um, presenting offers on on the listings that I have. And you're right, two thousand uh, dollars pops up every now and again as well. It seems if somebody wants to be really serious, say maybe something like a $5,000 deposit in our community, which which is really low uh, for anyone coming from the GTA.
1: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So does that answer your question, Carolyn?
1: Yes, thank you, Dale. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for calling in, Carolyn. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, do one of you ladies have a question? <coughs> handy? Well,
1: Doug has a question, but I think it's geared towards Carolyn. Okay. Doug would like to know the difference between um, being pre-approved and pre-qualified. Um, that's kind of the same
2: term, actually. Uh, some people will say pre-qualified, pre-approved. And it really is if you take pre, pre is what is the key point there. So part of the whole approval process is not just you as the person buying the property, but the property is part of the approval process as well. So since you don't have an accepted offer on a property yet, this is like a pre-approval. So You're you're looking at the person's income, the person's credit, the person's um, debts and obligations. And so if it's done correctly, um, you should be told you can look at homes up to this amount, this purchase price. But then it's not really a full approval because the whole process is including the property. Um, perhaps sometimes pre, pre-qualified with some institutions could mean that it's just an automated system where you've punched in, this is my income, this is uh, uh, the price I want to buy, this is my down payment, and nobody physically looks at your application. It's just an automated system. So if the numbers jive with what you've put in, you're going to get pre-qualified. So at that but point, that's, would they
1: do a credit check? Or no. is it just based on income it's, and... Yeah.
2: Yep, there's not a uh, credit bureau pulled. So it's kind of, that's not really a good system at all.
0: Okay. All right, well, Erin, uh, Caroline, do you have a question there or do you want me to keep going here?
2: Um, I have a question or, or you can go, whatever you...
0: You go right ahead, Caroline.
2: Okay, um, I had a question that came in that said, I was told I could refinance my home to make some renovations. What does that mean? So this is true. You can do this. Even if you, you know, you're not finished your term yet, you can um, do two things. You can completely break that mortgage and pay the penalty and just qualify for a new mortgage for the amount of funds that you think you would like to do renovations. Or you can do what's called, oh, and in that case, you can only go up to 80% of the value of your home. Or you can do what's called a refinance plus improvements, which is a different program where you get quotes for the work that you want to have done. And now the 80% is in based on the as improved value now with those renovations added into your home. Um, but keep in mind, there would be a penalty you would incur if you're not at the end of your term. So sometimes it's not cost effective to do that.
0: All right. So there's the answer, Aaron, to that question from, did you say Doug?
1: Yeah no. that was the question before I believe. Oh. I didn't say who this question was <laughs> Oh, from, that's yeah. this, that was your question. This was
0: right? anonymous. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, yeah, forgive me, but Keep anyways, up. Doug, thank you for the question. <laughs> I I have one here and Aaron, this is for you. This one here is for you. Uh, the question is, I've been told never to have a deal close on a Friday. Is this true?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's harder to get moving trucks and stuff like that when they're going to be all booked up for the weekend and you know if something goes you know kind of funky with the um, title or whatever as they're doing it you don't really have any days to get anything fixed I mean the registry office c- is closed on the weekend so
0: yeah I, I think I think the question is a little uh, strong where it says never to have a deal close on a Friday likely the most common day we see
1: um yeah i think so actually yeah. i haven't really paid too much attention because i try to do my midweek
0: yeah but yeah same here i i i try and uh get deals to close from from monday to thursday if if something does happen and for some strange reason the deal does not close on your closing date it's going it there's a very good chance they'll close on the next business day. So if you have your deal to close on Friday, your next business day is Monday. So everybody is waiting for the rest of Friday, for Saturday, for Sunday, and then they hope that Monday it will close. So if you take, say, a Thursday, for example, and and the deal doesn't close on Thursday when it ought to, you still have a good chance of it closing on the next business day. So, so yeah, it is likely uh, a good policy to avoid the Friday, but I wouldn't say never have a deal close on a Friday.
2: I'm guessing that's a rare occurrence when it doesn't close on the closing date. I mean, it happens, but it it's not the norm.
0: No, most, I mean, I can't even think, I can think of one in the last three years, Aaron, that I've done that didn't close on the closing
1: date. <laughs> I can think of one in the last two months.
0: In the last two <laughs> months. Okay, so, I mean, it does happen. Uh, to say it's it's the norm, I would say it's not the norm, but it, it, it certainly does happen.
1: Unfortunately.
0: So I have one here. Is it always the case that when purchasing a home, you should always be pre-approved? And this, this question comes to us from Michelle. Is it always the case that when purchasing a home, you should always be pre-approved. And and what does the mortgage broker say to that?
2: I would say no. Um, If you have someone who is financially stable, who, you know, maybe they've sold their home and they were mortgage-free and they're purchasing another property, that person is not necessarily, that doesn't, require a pre-approval there there's not going to be issues there if you're a first time home buyer you should get pre-approved there's nothing worse than being super excited about buying a home going in the doing that whole process and in this market maybe you're in um you know competing offers and you win that competing offer and then you have your how many business days you need to get your financing and then you find out uh uh-oh it's not going to happen
0: yeah. It's but such
2: a letdown whereas if you ahead of time have done that homework, um, you're slightly more confident at that point.
0: All right. You said first time homebuyer, but what about uh business for self people? Or what about well, someone yes. who's had a career change recently? Yeah. Yeah. True.
2: There's more than just first-time home buyers that should. I, I guess really the only people that sh- it's not necessary are people that have owned multiple homes and have steady steady employment history. Um, you know, excellent credit, a good amount of down payment. Those people aren't going to have issues. Mm-hmm. But if you have any unusual circumstances, like you say, you're self-employed, um, you've had a recent career change, or perhaps from a life a life event, you've had some credit issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely get the pre approval.
0: All right. Well, Aaron, do you have anything to add to that one?
1: Uh, No, I think.
0: the got it's, the answer? Good. Yes. Well, folks, we're doing a call in show. You can call into the radio station or you can find us on uh, that's 905 372 2391 or you can look for Aaron Tom's. Uh, facebook or Carol Ann bryant's facebook or my facebook dale bryant's facebook and you can send us a question via social media uh, we're going to take a small break you've been listening to reality realty northumberland 89 7 fm's local real estate talk join us after this break and we we will continue to answer your real estate questions Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant and our guests today are Aaron Toms. Aaron is a real estate sales representative with Remax Lakeshore Realty. And we also have Carol Ann Bryant. Carol Ann is my wife and she is a mortgage broker with the Broker Financial Group. And we're here today to answer your real estate and your mortgage financing questions. So we got off to a good start ladies last segment and mm-hmm. we had we basically were covering questions that well I was covering questions that had already come in to me this morning and and yesterday and folks if you have a question if you're listening right now and you have a question for either Aaron or Carolyn or myself about real estate, anything to do with real estate or mortgage financing, You can either call, maybe the easiest way is to call right into the station at 905-372-2391. You can leave your question with Lane. She'll take it down and she'll pass it along to us in the studio. Or if you want to do a Google search for either Carol Ann Bryant Mortgage Broker or Aaron Toms Real Estate or Dale Bryant Real Estate and find our Facebook page, you can send us your question via social media as well we have our phones up and going and logged in and we're ready to uh, see your questions so let's see what do i have here ladies Um, here's a good one Uh, this is aaron this is one for you and i i understand that most people put a lockbox on a house for showings what are other options and they're asking anything is there anything else with letting people in via lockbox or any other method that I should be concerned with what do you think
1: Um, well a lockbox is definitely the easiest way um, you know there's no running keys back and forth and it makes it you know more available and accessible to your realtor or other realtors to show your property if you have it on the MLS but you know, I know some people like the realtor to be present during showings. and
0: That's that's typically in a home that has a ton of valuables, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you see every day. I mean, because you can kind of limit how many showings you have that way because you're mm-hmm. working around everybody else's schedule, right? So,
0: Right. And, and yeah, and it's awkward. It's, it's more difficult to get a showing because now you have to have two realtors able to do it. So the the other methods being a key is left at the brokerage office and instead of the realtor who has the buyer, instead of them going and opening up a lockbox at the house, they go to the brokerage office, the listing brokerage office, sign out a key and then return it after the... uh, after the showing,
1: mm-hmm. you see that more with condos. Like if there's, yeah, no uh, condos really?
0: in our community.
1: Yeah, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And
0: I mean, if you, we go to Toronto and we're showing condos in Toronto, you're going to go into the stairwell, and you're going to see all sorts of lock boxes that are uh, clamped onto the uh, onto the brackets of the rails or or any spindles there, and some condos will have. Actual a lockbox center where they've set up a board and they've put they've put anchors where realtors can uh, attach their lockboxes.
1: Fantastic idea.
0: Yeah, but I mean, here in Coburg, we haven't done that. No. (laughs) Uh, I mean, sometimes, sometimes the odd condo you can find a a lockbox there. And yeah, I would agree with you, Aaron. I'd say that uh, having that lockbox is absolutely. The best way to uh, get access for other realtors to get into your home. Uh, this, this, um, this listener here, they had one question about anything else they should be concerned with. And, and I would say I would say that, yes, if you're using a lockbox and you have it on the front door, have you ever had it, Aaron, where there's just one single key inside that lockbox... And you dropped the key?
1: Um, Yes, Mm -hmm. one time, and it was on a house where it actually had, it was wooden stairs, so of course it went in between (laughs) the stairs, Mm -hmm. and the wooden stairs happened to be over top of concrete stairs, so there was no way to crawl under and get access to it, so I had to go and find a good neighbor who had a long, skinny magnet in order to obtain the key to get in, so wow, mm. you
0: you work to get that key back.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I wanted to get these buyers in that house, so <laughs> 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 you do what you gotta do. And
0: and you know what? Uh, that's exactly what I was hoping you'd address. And so, if if you do use a lockbox and there's one key there, I'd encourage to have a uh, a key fob or a little key tag on on there. Something something that big. Something that might catch a key if it's dropped from going down in between boards, like decking boards. Or sometimes you got you have a set of cement stairs, and there's a gap between yes. the house. And I've lost a key that way. <laughs> and, I mean, it just slipped through my fingers, and, and there's only one crack. It's about, it's not even a half inch wide, but that key, if I had to throw it down there, you know, if we were playing a game and seeing who could throw the key down the crack... We'd be missing and missing. But when you don't want it to go there, <laughs> it just, it was like a big vacuum. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's one, one thing I'd recommend, uh, concern, just having something to protect it there. But I've also, I've had a faulty lockbox once, Aaron, and I tried to, there was a key in there, and I was trying, it wouldn't open. So I, I keep a small sledgehammer. I, I keep a sledgehammer with a small handle in my bag, in, in my vehicle, to put up stakes for, uh, you know, signs, you know, direct, uh, directional signs. And so I thought, well, this lockbox is no good. I'm just going to smash it open. And I was rural. I was on a, uh, like a hard top road. And I, I put <laughs> this lockbox on the, on the road and I was smashing away. These things are strong. They are. They are strong. <laughs> it would, I think it'd be easier to kick in the door. Than to open that lockbox, so they're very safe.
1: Uh, they're definitely safe. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely they're
0: very safe. Well, ladies, do one of you have a question?
2: Um, sure, I have a question. Um, <coughs> this person has said, "I've heard the term conventional mortgage. What does that mean?" Well, that's a good. That's a good question. So we have two terms: conventional mortgages and insured mortgages. So, a conventional mortgage is when somebody um, has 80%, sorry, not more than 20% for a down payment, um, 20% of the purchase price. And so that is what the term conventional mortgage applies to. So, an insured mortgage is when you have less than 20% for a down payment.
0: And so what what does that, okay, that's what it is. What does that mean to the future buyer? So
2: conventional mortgage generally means that whoever you are arranging your financing through, that institution will pay the mortgage insurance premium. You don't have to pay that. If you have less than 20%, then you as the buyer pays the mortgage insurance premium and generally most people choose to have that premium added onto their mortgage loan amount they don't you have the option where you can pay that amount if you want but i've never had anybody who's paid it it's always been rolled into their mortgage
0: any any downside to having a conventional mortgage
2: um i would say well i guess maybe some people could think this is a downside if you have a conventional mortgage, you'll have to pay for the appraisal. With an insured mortgage, the insurer pays for the appraisal if it's being asked. So, mm-hmm. some people would consider that a downside.
0: Strange, don't you? I I I think it's strange. it, it, that is, you, it is. You have more money you you can yeah. put into the deal, so yeah. you have more skin in the game and you get uh yeah. dinged for the appraisal mm-hmm. cost. <laughs>
2: Which is significantly less than the mortgage insurance premium, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're better <laughs> significantly
1: off. Significantly less, yeah.
0: You're, you're certainly better off. Erin, any questions there?
1: Yes. Um, someone wants to know how to start to get their real estate license. Where do they have to go to school, she says.
0: Oh. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. That's, that's a good been question. A, that's been a while. <laughs>
1: Uh, best advice I could give would go online and go to areacollege.com and they'll have a whole bunch of information on there for you. There's message boards and you know things like that. So to be licensed in Ontario you need to do area. So
0: and and there's a people can uh, approach this with their own time schedules, right? Uh, although I think that I think from the time you start There is a maximum time that they'll give you to finish. I think it's something like a two year time.
1: Is there? It's been, and they've changed it like probably a couple times since um, I've gone through it. But I know it was very flexible. Like I was able to still work and go home, plug away on my computer at night, and work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there was the option to take it in class, which. would probably be really cool to do if you could, but uh, most people I find are doing it online. So,
0: yeah, there's there's three courses. If if nothing else has changed, there's three courses. There's one major course and and two two minor courses. Uh, the major course, so I believe that fifty percent of it has to be taken in class. You can either take it all in class or you can take the first yeah, half online and the second half in class. Phase three,
1: I believe. But now they've got four <coughs> phases. So, wow. so I think they've put that one into its own phase. Maybe. Really? Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm really out of touch then. <laughs> I, but just to give uh, this uh, this listener an idea, I believe the courses, well, at the time that I took it, I think there were three courses that I had to take before I could start trading in real estate. And then there would be three other courses in an articling period mm-hmm. that had to happen over the next two years after you'd uh, started trading in real estate. Yeah, And the courses, at at the time, I'm thinking they were about $500 a pop.
1: Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah
0: they, and like you say, things have changed. They likely went up a little <laughs> bit <laughs> since then. And uh, I, I remember... I remember... You know, you have to wait for the courses to come up in certain areas. If you do it online, naturally, you can do it right away. Uh, but you also have to book exams, and you can book exams at various places. I think if you're if you're living around here, that one of the handiest places is at Trent University. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me about six months to get through everything. I, I think I, I that was fairly aggressive.
1: Yeah, I was around the same time. I think it didn't take. A very long time. Um, But one thing to consider, too, getting your license and doing the courses, that's the easy part. You know, like, you know, the legwork afterwards and, you know, figuring out where you want to work, kind of what you want your business to look like and things like that. That's where the challenge comes in. And it's never too early to start doing that legwork, even if you haven't started the courses yet. So,
0: Mm -hmm, yeah. And I do remember the instructor uh, of the very final course. Uh, she she said to us as a group, you know, we it was our third course. We we'd done a lot of studies. We'd already done a couple exams and we were heading into our final exam. And and she said something to the effect that if if you guys think, you know, real estate now, you you really have no idea of what's ahead of you. you <laughs> you've just been given permission to start to learn sort of things. Yeah, so, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good question. Very good question. Uh, what do I have here? Here's one. What are some of the advantages of selling and buying in the fall versus the spring?
1: Ah, that is a good question. What do you think, Erin? Well, number one for selling in the fall, I'd say, in my opinion, curb appeal. Uh, the grass is starting to – it's green. It's not brown anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the neighbors – you know, may have been away on holidays. So maybe their lawns weren't as well kept as they usually were. So sometimes that can reflect on a sale of your own home. Mm-hmm. So people are usually done with their vacations and everybody's yards are, you know, back to being groomed. And so the curb appeal is definitely there in the fall and it falls just pretty. The colors are pretty. The air is nice. So
0: now both markets are hot markets. Mm-hmm. Our spring market is hot. Our fall market is hot. Uh, spring market we really don't know when that will start because spring market sometimes starts when it's still when there's still snow yeah (laughs) it's still snow uh, but maybe maybe the weather has been mild enough people are willing to go outside people are willing to list the the fall market pretty much starts uh kids go back to school and it's boom well and that's an advantage for
1: buyers too especially buyers with younger children you Mm -hmm. know when you're going out house shopping it can be challenging to take little ones with you going in and out of houses and you know, getting them all to take shoes off and boots off and, yeah, you know, things like that. So in the fall, when the kids are back in school, you kind of have that freedom as parents to actually look at a house without worrying about what your kids are touching. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, and, and I, I think both both markets are hot. Uh, I, I think spring tends to be a little hotter market than the fall, uh, which which you could look at two, both ways. You could say, okay, I want to be in the hotter market, but then again, you're up against more competition then. You're, if you choose to be in the hotter market. So, yeah, less competition. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I would agree. How, how does the house look? How does the product look that you're, you're marketing? So that is that is the question, and thank you, uh, thank you for that question about uh, when's the best time for me to sell, spring versus fall. Well, we're already at another break time. Folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Local Real Estate Talk. Join us after this break. And Carol Ann, Aaron, and myself will continue to answer your real estate questions. Welcome back. This is your real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guests today are... Aaron Toms, Real Estate Sales Representative with RE-MAX Lakeshore Realty, and Carol Ann Bryant, Mortgage Broker with the Broker Financial Group. And we're all here today to answer your real estate and mortgage financing questions. Aaron, just, just as we were answering uh, the last question there before break, I heard your uh, phone buzz. Was that another question?
1: It was. Um, someone wanted to know what exactly coming soon meant on a sign. Um, It means it's coming soon. It's not yet listed on the MLS system. Mm -hmm. Um, They may be prepping to, you know, get stuff ready, and they want people to know that it's coming up.
0: Um, What's your personal opinion of a coming soon sign? Have you done it?
1: Um, I've done a coming soon. Um, Yeah, I didn't notice that there was a great advantage to it, but... um, it could have been the property that I had listed, so I think it varies for the the demand of the property that you're selling. So,
0: yeah i I have mixed feelings on it, but uh, I haven't done a coming soon yet because i i just haven't I just can't picture uh, a real benefit to it, and that's just me. I, I mean, I thought a lot about it, and it'd be easy enough to do if if I wanted to go in that direction, but it just Hasn't made, it hasn't made any sense to me yet.
1: I can see an advantage if somebody is not quite ready to have their home shown, but they want people to know that, hey, we're going to be available in the next week or two for showings. And it's, you know, a, in an area or a neighborhood that's in demand, you know, wanting, hoping that maybe people will wait and not purchase anything else without seeing theirs. I can see that advantage. But if you're ready to sell, I say show it. You know, don't, yeah. don't, why, why wait? Why limit yourself? Because some people may not want to wait. Somebody might, you might have a serious buyer that's, you know, maybe someone's relocating and they have to be here by a certain date and they need to make a decision now. You've kind of lost that buyer. So,
0: and in a, in a hot market like we've been having where you, you, you have to mobilize quickly to, to, uh, have a chance at a home. I can't see somebody putting off another good choice. In you know, it, they see a home coming soon, which they say, "Hey, that that could be a good option for me." But there's also this o- other option. I can't see putting off the other option because that the the other option might not be around. Uh, so you're taking a big risk.
1: And that's right. There's been so much competition on offers, like mm-hmm. bidding wars and stuff like that.
0: And and so here's the thing too. And, and you might think all these marketing marketing tricks are, are in your benefit. I've, I've seen it this year where somebody had a coming soon sign. And the coming soon sign was on for about a week. And then, they, then it was available to view. But on top of it, they were holding offers for 7, 10 days. And then all of a sudden it was open. Now, I was working with a buyer... That was, uh, I'm thinking of one home in particular. I'm working with a buyer who could have been interested in that home. And so they're looking at other stuff, but they didn't find exactly what they wanted. So they also knew, hey, when this one comes up, we'll look at it as well. But, I mean, if it hadn't have had the coming soon sign, we still would have looked at it when it came up. Mm -hmm. We looked through it. They thought, you know what, that just wasn't for them at that price range. But then they looked at it 2 weeks later after the coming after the holding of offers came and went. Now, the buyer, the potential buyer looks at this and says, "You know what? I could go in on this home and make an offer, but they've already had a coming soon sign, so they tried to create a lot of hype. Then they held off offers for 7 to 10 days and they didn't even get anything. So uh, yeah. so now the buyer feels like super in the driver's seat. Yes. And they are. Yeah. And they are because you've already tried two of your ploys to uh, have this amazing marketing and both of them failed. Yeah. So, yeah, coming soon, sign. I'm not sure. Caroline. you were telling me on break you, uh, you had another question.
2: Um, yes, I have a couple of questions. And so... This question is uh, this question is a good question. What should the length of my mortgage term be? So um, the length of mortgage terms varies. You can get anywhere from as low as six months to as long as ten years. And the general rule of thumb is the lower the term, um, the lower the interest rate. That's a general rule of thumb. However, if you're, If you're looking for the six months open to have some flexibility, you're going to pay a higher rate of interest on that because it is an open mortgage, meaning you can pay it off at any time during that six months without a penalty. So you do pay a higher rate of interest. So that's the general rule of thumb. Um, The thought process into going into picking a term, is this a house that you're going to stay in for five years or longer? Um, What do you think, um, you know, you could discuss with your mortgage broker, um, what are your thoughts about where interest rates are going to go? So perhaps in a a climate where interest rates are a little bit higher and you are going to stay in that house for a longer time, you might want to pick a shorter term that has a lower interest rate so that you're hedging your bets that, say, you take a one-year or two-year term. Um, you're hedging a bet, so at the end of that two-year term, interest rates have dropped. In this climate where we have really excellent interest rates, like 2.29, and you're going to stay in that home for five years or longer, take the five-year term. The chance of it going lower, I mean, it could, but I mean, that is a really great interest rate. So you're locking that in, and, and, and you know that you have that, that great interest rate for the next five years. Um, longer terms, like seven, year terms, um, those are appealing to people that are buying investment properties, rental properties. So again, the person has a budget and they're looking at their expenses for that property and they want to know that, you know, the, the lease payments are going to cover the mortgage. And so they want to lock in for a longer, a longer term.
0: Good question. Good answer. Uh, I have one here. And this one here came in this morning via Facebook. Uh, This came in from Michelle. Michelle asks, now that the housing market here in Northumberland County is booming and rents are going up and the average house asking price is through the roof, what does that mean for people locally trying to survive and buy uh, a first home? As uh, she also follows that up? What should they have in place from a broker's point of view? So, how how do people handle trying to buy a first home in this booming, uh, through the roof <laughs> pricing market, Aaron?
1: Well, it is challenging. Not so much the the um, what do I call it the home prices just finding the inventory i'm finding is the issue for first-time buyers right now um lots of competition so just be being prepared to walk away and and move on to the next one i'd say is probably the Mm -hmm. the best like don't get caught up in the competition and pay more than you can afford
0: (laughs) and i think uh it goes back to an earlier question we had in segment one that carolanne answered uh about being pre-approved, especially mm-hmm. for a first-time home buyer. I mean, this is all new to you. Get an idea of what these lenders are expecting from you because you know what? You might be surprised at all the hoops you need to jump through.
2: Well, and, and you're going... You can also say, what is the max I can be approved for? But then when you see what that mortgage payment is, is going to be at that max amount, maybe you decide that just doesn't work with our budget. Every single, almost every single cent we make coming in each week or each month is going to be allocated towards our mortgage or our property and our property taxes. We're we're going to have hardly anything left over. Um, some people aren't comfortable going right to their max. Just because you're told you can purchase up to this amount isn't necessarily what you should do for for what's going to work for your family. You know, if you have kids and they're in activities and whatnot you don't want to be so tight that you can't afford things on a month-to-month ba- basis no you don't want to be house poor exactly and I, yeah
0: and and i would also say to these people trying to break into the market because in 2016 so many times you'll be competing and uh, you know working with uh, uh, several first-time home buyers this year and it could become depressing for them because one like you say aaron the inventory the homes weren't even coming up then when they do come up they're competing and they're being their good offers are being dwarfed by you know just amazingly high yeah. offers i would say keep trying because uh, i love that Wayne Gretzky quote you miss 100% of the shots you don't take so all it's all it's going to cost you is a little bit of effort from your realtor to put in that offer, put in a thoughtful offer. Don't get caught up in going too high. Uh, and and you know what? Eventually, and and, and, and all of these first-time homebuyers I'm thinking of, we eventually got a home. And because we finally got a home, and we even competed on them and won, but we won at a reasonable dollar value that was uh, fair market value and would even be approved by a lender.
1: Mm-hmm. And maybe be prepared to make some <clears throat> compromises, too. Like, you may not get everything that's on your wish list. And, yeah. you know, you might have to let go of that garage that you wanted or the finished basement that you wanted or, you know, things like that. So.
0: And here's another one. I was trying to sell my home a few years ago, and we did receive an offer, but the deposit was only... Oh, this is right back to uh, our deposit. The deposit was only $1,000. We signed it back with a $10,000 deposit, but the buyers would not agree to it. Our house was listed at 650,000. What are your thoughts? So so it sounds Aaron it sounds like <clears throat> I'm guessing that they may still be living in this house because they had a they were trying to sell the house a few years ago. They received a, an offer and it seems like the only thing objectionable was the deposit. So they said, no, we got a $650,000 home, that's only a $1,000 deposit, we want more, and they ended up not having a sale, because the buyers didn't agree. What do you think?
1: Um, I could see how they maybe, at that price point, have had the concern that the buyers weren't serious, or you know something like that, but at the end of the day, I mean... It's not going to hurt to try it and see what happens. It ties your house up for maybe a week. You know, at that time you didn't sell, and you s- I'm assuming still haven't sold. So you could have been moved on had you give the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and and how many deals? We see deals every week uh, close on a thousand mm-hmm. dollar deposit. So so it didn't seem like much, uh, but really and truly, you might have missed out on sale if all other uh, terms and conditions were. Were acceptable to you.
1: Yeah, the buyer may have had a young family, so cash flow, you know, may be what was important to them at the time, and that's why they went with a thousand. So,
0: all right, I, I have one real quick question, then we have to wrap up today's show. We're running out of time. Here's a question here, <laughs> and I love this Why do real estate pictures never look like the house really looks? <laughs> 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 Aaron,
1: well, I have to say I actually get compliments on mine saying my photos represent really well, so I'm uh, I'm not sure why that is, Dale. Well,
0: <laughs> I mean, sometimes we take somebody through a home and they're pleasantly surprised because the pictures on the on the listing actually were poor. Uh, but more times than not, <laughs> yeah. we take somebody through a home and they just it's like lunch bag let down. Uh, yeah, the
1: rooms are so small. They yeah. look so big online. And
0: yeah, and and you know the photographers, they don't, they don't, they don't go in. They don't, uh, or they're not supposed to go in and Photoshop and and, and clean them up and and that. But but a professional photographer certainly does know how to use lighting to the best of their. Uh, uh, you know, to the best way, in the best way, how to take the best shots. So, yeah, the
1: wide angle lenses. So, yeah. Lots uh, of which, talented photographers around our area. <laughs> which,
0: which just gets more of the room. So, you get to see more of the room. So, you know what? It just, it just, um, it just confirms you have to go and view the house. Yes, right. The listing is good. You have to go and no view no blind house. buying. I thought no. you
2: were going to say why is the the picture of the real estate agent <laughs> not not what the actual <laughs> <laughs> agent looks like? I All right, that was a we've ra- That came in.
0: We've run out of time here, ladies. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we have run out of time, and and uh, thank you, Carol Ann. Thank you, Aaron, for for joining us again today. Our panel of real estate pros. And, folks, this is it uh, for our show today. If you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, so maybe a question we've answered here and you would like to know a little bit more about it, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca or call into the station at 905-372-2391 and leave... Leave a message and it will get to who you want it to get to. And don't forget to join me, Dale Bryant. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Join us next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM. Truly local radio. Until next week, folks.